Hello and welcome back to Painting the Corners Top 10 Right Now series. Kicked it off last time with the relievers and now we are moving on to right fielders. So just like last time, Logan is going to give his list, I'm going to give my list. We're going to kind of debate, come up with a third list and compare that to what MLB Network put out uh, with their analytics and the, the shredder and that whole deal. So yeah, without further ado, let's get into the top 10 right fielders right now. Being that this is our first episode, we're going to break down an offensive side of things here. What kind of things were you looking at, Johnny, for this one? Was it easier more difficult than the the relievers list for you well i definitely incorporated more stats you know pitching is pretty much all about run prevention and we have great stats to to capture that era and fip stuff like that whereas on the offensive side you know it's all about run production but stats that we used to think measured that like home runs and rbis you know they're not they're not really perfect stats and so we have to dig a little bit deeper and find out which stats really really correlate to the best run-producing hitters in the game. And so to that end, I looked at stuff like weighted runs created plus. That's probably my biggest metric on here. Walk and strikeout rates are big as well to predict future success. Um, and I also made sure to include volume, just the, the number of plate appearances that these hitters have had because you want somebody who's going to be on the field producing value the whole season. Uh, I also included base running a little bit, not weighted heavily, but you'll remember that from my our MVP discussion that I do like to um, include that a little bit. And then just like the pitchers, I tried to get a little bit of luck index going with BABIP mostly for hitters, so batting average on balls in play. If a hitter has a really high BABIP, generally that's not really sustainable, and you can look at how many line drives they're hitting, how many ground balls they're hitting, how many fly balls they're hitting, um, and kind of see where that BABIP should be. And, uh, and from that, you can, you can figure out a little bit of how lucky they were that season. So, yeah, that was the basis of my, my system. And I, just like the relievers, I included 2021 performance, 2022 performance, and a little bit of steamer projections for 2023 and also, I included defense as well, of course, because, well, not a premium position. Right fielders still have to play a little defense. And um, I weighted that about, let's see. Yeah, I weighted it 3-1 to one in favor of offense over defense because right field is not a premium defensive position. But I did want to include it for sure. Yeah, it sounds like you and I had very similar things that we were looking at and, and what we used as our biggest metrics like you said wrc plus was kind of my biggest thing um and i kind of tried to equate that to ops because it's not a direct correlation so i did have ops in there but uh, for the most part those two line up with one another another thing that i did look at too um, in addition to what you said and, and maybe you did look at this as well and didn't mention it but something that i really like to look at is hard hit percentage you know it's it's very similar to you know expected stats in a way where you know, is this person getting lucky? And and it was kind of my way of trying to say, hey, you know, 
first off, if this guy has a really high walk rate and a really low strikeout rate with a low hard hit percentage, then it's like, okay, you know, that kind of profiles as a contact first guy, so I'm not going to dock him as much. But if a guy has like a lower-ish end walk rate, not the best strikeout rate, and the hard hit percentage really isn't staggering, then it's kind of like, well, maybe this guy really has been getting pretty lucky. So that was another thing that that I really considered as well. But other than that, it seems like you and I have very similar similar ideologies in terms of how we go and look at offensive players. And I think, too, it's pretty important with this right fielder list. Volume definitely comes into play here a lot. And as we kind of talk about guys, I'm interested to see where you have certain guys because there's definitely a wide range of um, games played and played appearances given the the 16 guys that we were considering for this list. Absolutely. And the funniest thing to me is, you know, the knock on Judge for years has been, oh, he can't stay healthy, can't be on the field. You know, he's just, he's a great player, but, you know, you can't really, he can't be the top guy because he's not on the field. And of these 16 guys that MLB Network um, listed uh, in consideration, he has the most played appearances over the last two years. So uh, he ranks number one for volume. <laughs> and so I thought that was a little funny tidbit. But um, yeah, we'll get into where he ranks, where other big names like Betts, Harper, uh, of course, Tatis now, who's considered a right fielder, where they rank uh, along with some up and coming guys as well. Alrighty, so Johnny, do you want to kick us off? You want to give give the viewers your your top ten here? I'm gonna actually kick it back to you. I'm curious to see what your list is first. Fair enough. I guess you did get to go first on the relief pitchers list, so it's only fair. Okay, so at number ten, which I didn't exactly know. Uh, again, for those of you that listen to the relief pitchers uh, rankings video, uh, the top ten video for relief pitchers, I. In my Excel spreadsheet, I, I hid the names of the players and teams, so that eliminated any bias. So at the end, when all the players kind of came out and I unhid those columns, it's always a surprise to me who is who. And, you know, I have somewhat of an idea of who some guys might be, but for the most part, I, it was pretty much a blind reaction. So for me, number 10, it, it didn't shock me completely, but I was a little surprised because it was Lars Nupar for me at number 10. You know, he had a really good rookie campaign. Um, I, you know, he's not a huge OPS guy, but his WRC plus is right around that range of the guys that you're considering for that 10 spot. You know, he hits the ball about 43% of the time at a hard hit percentage. So I like that. He rates somewhat decently out as a fielder in a 3.3 war uh, when you combine the last two seasons. And obviously last year he got more of a full seasons uh, workload, 13% walk rate. I, I really liked large new bar. So he came in at number 10. Uh, number nine for me was the New York Mets right fielder, Starling Marte. Good volume guys, played a lot. Not not towards the top end, but he's, for the most part, stayed healthy. You know, walk rate's a little concerning there. I think that's why he's probably more in the nine range, and he doesn't hit the ball overly hard. But it's tough to deny that he continues to put up results over the last couple years. And 8.4 F4 over the last two years, that's that's a lot. So tough to overlook that number excuse me, number eight for me on the list was former Toronto Blue Jays right fielder and current Seattle Mariners right fielder, Tay Oscar Hernandez. Don't love the walk and strikeout rates. Neither of them are very good. They're towards the worst end on this list, but the production that he has is really, really elite. He's hitting the ball at a hard hit percentage of 50% of the time, so he's squaring up the ball a lot. A lot of good production there. Um, Tay Oscar Hernandez coming in at number eight. 
His new somewhat replacement in right field in Toronto comes in at number seven for me is George Springer. You know, like the walk and, and strikeout rate, nothing insane, but, you know, definitely above league average for both of them. Uh, puts together continuous, solid WRC pluses and OPS across his career. We'll see. He definitely tends to rate better as a right fielder defensively than a center fielder at this point in his career. So uh, for me, I just kind of liked his outlook a little bit more. Number six for me, and, and this was a tough one. It really was because I didn't exactly know how to rate this guy. And I felt like this was a fair spot. I, I This is where I put Fernando Tatis Jr. at number six. We'll have to see, obviously, how he bounces back. Super high strikeout rate guy. Walks a decent clip, though. But he hits the ball so hard. And, you know, if if it wasn't Fernando Tatis Jr. coming off PEDs and all these things, he's probably in the top three. But given everything, I think it's tough to be super, super aggressive on him. So that's why he comes to number six. Number five, this one... I don't know if it fully surprised me, but I thought he would come ahead of the guy number four for me, but that was Ronald Acuna Jr. Not necessarily his best year last year, obviously coming off the injury. So I think that definitely hurt in the last couple of years, and I think he has a lot of potential to be a top right fielder in the game. But right now, the last two years, given the injury and the the you know quote-unquote down year for him, uh, he comes in at number five. Number four, a guy who I've liked for a long time, um, and I'm happy that he made the top four here, is Kyle Tucker of Houston. The dude just rakes, and he does not strike out. He had the best strikeout rate amongst anyone we considered. And the dude just hits the ball hard, plays pretty solid defense, pretty good base runner, and you know, 9.3 war the last two seasons. I think a lot of guys will take that. So for me, Kyle Tucker, number four. Number three, over in L.A., I got Mookie Betts. I thought he might be number two for me. He has really good strikeout rate, pretty good walk rate. But the WRC Plus being at 138 in comparison to the other two guys above him, it's just not, it's not night and day, but it's not in that same same echelon. Great fielding right fielder, though. A very elite, and it's put together 10 war, 10 and a half war, actually, over the last two years. So there's that. Number two on the list, and I know he's hurt going into this season, but the offensive production that Bryce Harper puts up over the last two years have been top in the entire sport it's really tough to ignore it you know he's not the greatest fielder by any means but he's got a hose out there that rates out pretty well and I think the the rationale for me putting him over Mookie Betts because I feel like some people might have an issue with that especially given that Harper's hurt his WRC plus is 19 so basically 20 points higher than Mookie his OPS over the last two years is over a hundred points higher I don't know. I just don't think it's even given Harper's injury thing. It's tough for me to put him below anyone else there. And at number one, not really needing too much explanation himself, Aaron freaking Judge. It was very easy. 16.9 war over the last two years is ridiculous. So I don't have much more to say than Aaron Judge was an obvious choice for number one. Yeah, you will get no complaints from me there for sure. Probably even an easier pick than Edwin Diaz uh, last time with the relievers so all right thank you for sharing that i was interested to hear yours first because i was not very happy with my list but it's pretty similar to yours so let's get into it here you had teoscar hernandez at eight i have him at number 10 um not a super high upside guy but for the last several years now he's just been pretty solid he's going to give you starter level production and so it's valuable. Put him in at number 10. 
Lars Newbar, so I bumped him up to number nine compared to your list. Um, yeah, you covered that pretty well. He's not one of the supreme offensive players here, but he impressed defensively and, you know, figures to improve with age. I have Starling Marte at number eight, transitioned over from center field to right field pretty well. Still a, a solid offensive player. So if you said you were surprised that Acuna fell to number five, I was shocked to see that he fell to number seven on my list. Wow. Yeah. So I know he's been hurt last couple of years a little bit, missed some time, which obviously hurt his um, value here. And also just when he did play last year, clearly it was not himself, only hit 15 homers. That knee we could just see was was bothering him, was was painful for him on the field. But hopefully he has a healthy season this year and proves not really proves me wrong because I still believe he's a great right fielder, but um, can kind of reestablish his value and uh, catapult up this list next year. So then at number six, I have George Springer in Toronto, another guy like Marte who made the shift from center field to right field and should benefit defensively, as you said. And at number five, Fernando Tatis Jr. Yeah, I mean, really tough to rate. I'm, this is why I'm glad that I had a system to do this for me, because if I was just going on gut feeling and surface level, you know, looking at stats without really compiling them, I don't know where I would have ranked him. It's, yeah, that would have been a super, super tough decision. Five, you know, it's it feels too high and too low at the same time, because probably going into last year, he was a top three player in all of baseball. And so then to rate him as the top five right fielder, it's, I don't know, but then, of course, he missed the whole year. The PED suspension coming back from two surgeries. I don't know. I'll take it. I'll take five. And then the top four, obviously the same people as you, but a little different order. Um, I had Bryce Harper fall all the way to number four. Wow. Yeah, and I was a little surprised by that, too, because, so I'll kind of spoil the next two here. Obviously, I have Judge at number one, but... I have Tucker at three and Betts at two. And pretty surprisingly, it was closer between Betts and Tucker than Tucker and Harper. Because I have them all around the same level offensively. Tucker is a little lower um, than the other two. But this is probably where um, Mookie's base running comes into play a little bit because he can kind of make up the difference in home runs and, and OPS production there. But the defense, Tucker and Betts were the top two defenders in my sample at right field. And Harper was a bottom three defender in the sample. So that really tilted the pendulum. If I got rid of defense, it would have been Harper, Betts, Tucker. But since I included that basically 25% weight, on defense that bumped Harper down to number four. And yeah, so then Tucker at three, I mean, probably still an underrated player, even though he got to play in the World Series. Everybody got to see him hit those two home runs in game one. Just really outstanding player. As I said, the best defensive player in this sample of right fielders. So yeah, probably going to have another monster year next year. Betts, it's a little interesting because he's he's still the number two right fielder, and yet it's kind of been a disappointing-ish few years for him. He hasn't 
approached that 2018 level that he had with the Red Sox when he won the MVP. He's still a great defender. He's still he's still a great offensive player, but he was just a you know all world offensive player for that stretch at the end of his Red Sox tenure. So Dodger fans probably hoping for a little bit more out of him this year, but obviously you can't complain with with what he's given you so far. And then Judge, of course. I mean, yeah, can't can't have him any, anywhere other than one and uh, by a long shot, too. So before we kind of dive into I'm trying to make a consensus list here, and, and I definitely have some questions for you. But I want to know, who are some of the guys that maybe just missed out for you? Yeah, so this kind of, I don't know, it doesn't really surprise me, but I have Adolis Garcia at number 11, Hunter Renfro at 12, and Mitch Haniger at 13. Those are the guys that were closest um, to making the list. You know, I mean, when you're looking at Teoscar Hernandez, Lars Newbar, that kind of range, I can see it. I think Garcia and Renfro probably have a little more upside than those guys just because of the home run power. But at the same time, they just haven't been consistent enough producers to really warrant that spot in the top 10. So, yeah, I wasn't really upset with the members of my top 10 list. I was just a little concerned about the order. And uh, that was my that was the basis of my wanting you to go first. No, that's definitely fair. And, you know, it's funny, your top three that missed for you are also the three first guys that missed for me, slightly different order. I had Renfro just missing out. I mean, and when I say just, I, I almost put Renfro above Lars Newtbar. Um, and then I had Adolis Garcia at 12 and then Hanniger at 13. So, you know, that was kind of the range. Though I will say Adolis Garcia never really came close to being considered. So really, it was only Hunter Renfro who I think had a chance to make the top 10 for me, but just narrowly missed out at the end. But I have, like I kind of mentioned or alluded to earlier, I, I have a big question for you. So you say that Harper, Betts, and Tucker all kind of rate out similarly offensively. I'm curious what where where that logic's coming from. Because on my side of things, it's not even close between Harper and then Betts and Tucker are kind of a second tier. Yeah, so let's get into the main stats here. So uh, let's just look at Betts and Harper one-on-one right now. As I said, yeah, weighted runs created plus was the biggest stat that I considered. So we've got bets at a 130 in 2021 and a 144 in 2022, and he's projected for a 138 next year. Whereas Harper had a 170 in 2021 when he won the MVP. He had a 138 this year, 2022, and he's projected for a 140. So... I think what happens here is I weighted 2022 a lot higher than 2021. I can look at exactly the ratio I did. So, yeah, I weighted 2022 twice as much as 2021. So that kind of brings Mookie a lot closer because he had a higher WRC plus this past year in 2022 than Harper did. Um, and their projections are also very similar. And so the fact that Harper had a better 2021 season doesn't sway my uh, system as much as it does for yours, because as I understand it, you weighted them equally. Is that correct? 
Yeah, for the most part. So yeah, that's probably where most of that comes in. Let me take a look at the luck factor I gave to both of these guys. Yeah, they're pretty similar, so I didn't really think either of them got too lucky or unlucky. Uh, I guess I got a little bit of unluckiness for bets, so that propped him up as well. Um, I had him with an expected BABIP of 284 last year uh, and an actual BABIP of 272. Okay, fair enough. Um, We'll have to see if that's enough to convince me to drop Harper from from our combined list here, but let's kind of get into doing this combined list. So I think it's going to be pretty pretty straightforward in terms of the guys in this top 10. We're not going to have to veer outside of it as we had the same exact players, just different. Yeah. Surprising. So I know that is surprising and it's, it's interesting, but you know, I definitely felt like this was a, an easier list to make in some sense where I felt like there was a pretty clear top 11, maybe top 10, even, I don't know. It, It didn't feel too super difficult. I wasn't having to make insanely difficult decisions, but with that said, I have Lars Newtbar at number 10, and you have him at number 9. Yes. So does that equate to maybe keeping Lars Newtbar at number 10? Yeah, I think so. Given that my number 10, Ty Oscar, was your number 8. Yeah, we have we have the same 8, 9, 10, slightly different order. Newtbar is 9 and 10, Hernandez is 8 and 10, and Marte is 8 and 9. So I think we can probably go Marte, Hernandez, Newtbar there. Yep, I am good with that. I am good with that. And uh, really, you know, at this point in the list, we're just kind of splitting hairs. Um, the difference between the 8 and 9 or 9 and 10 right fielder is just minuscule compared with the 1 and 2 or 2 and 3. So then coming in at number 7 for me was Springer, and you had Acuna. Um, but you had Springer at 6, and I had Acuna at 5. So I guess that consensus would be putting Springer down at 7. I don't know. This is a tough debate because you can convince me that Acuna is a top five right fielder for sure. Like if you're asking me what I think, I think he will be better than Springer this year pretty comfortably. That's not what my stats have told me, but of course, again, the stats don't know that he was playing with a hurt knee this year. um, And that's why he didn't have as much power and didn't steal as many bases and stuff like that. But the question is, are we going to go based on our feelings or are we going to go based on the stats? Well, I think it's, I mean, at least for me, like I mostly go on stats, but there's a little bit of it where it is feeling like the Fernando Tatis Jr. placement was a feeling thing. It wasn't a statistical thing because if it was statistical, he would have been number four. So I don't know. I am always good with making a statistical list and then if there's certain things based off of feelings that change that but I don't know what do you so are you saying that you think Acuna should stay at seven no no I think Acuna's got to go above Springer yeah so then the only other question then is Fernando because we have the same five six seven just in a different order right so so then that's that's the question we putting are we going to do Springer at 7 to T6, Acuna 5? Are we going to do Springer 7, you know, Acuna 6 to T5? Yeah, I think Springer's definitely at 7. Okay. And then, yeah, the question is between Tatis, Acuna 5, 6. Acuna has obviously played the outfield his whole career. Both guys coming off injuries, um, although Acuna has had a 
longer time to heal up than Tatis has. So I guess my, I'll quickly give my logic in terms of putting Tatis below Acuna. Um, my logic behind it was this. Both guys, like you mentioned, have had weird last two years. Um, obviously, Tatis two years ago wasn't weird, but then he had this weird last year, obviously, for numerous reasons. And Acuna kind of vice versa, where he had the injury two years ago, and then last year he was trying to bounce back from it. And, you know, he played still at a very elite level, just not the, you know, elite level we're used to with Acuna. So that's where it's kind of like tough. And and so that's why I put Acuna above Fernando, just because Acuna is coming off of a year that he can build off of, and therefore Tatis, he can't necessarily build off of anything from last year. He's starting on a fresh slate and it hasn't played for a while. So that was my thought process and logic to having Tatis below Acuna. But do I think that Tatis could have a better season than Acuna? 1,000%. And I think Tatis is a better player than Acuna, but I've always thought that. So, All right. Yeah, I think that's fair. Tatis 6, Acuna 5. So then here's where I think it's going to be fun. I think this is going to be fun to be yeah. here. What's going to happen four or excuse me two three and four because number one we both have judge that's simple enough yeah easy but our two three fours while it's the same players none of them are in the same position so you know you already kind of gave your case as to why you liked bets over harper and you know i can stomach that a little bit i i can stomach that's being above harper you know i may not completely agree but if we put bets at two i won't i will not complain but can you convince me why Tucker is better than Harper, as you had on your list? Well, yeah, it's the same argument, really. It's just Harper was the number three offensive player in my sample. Tucker was the number five. But Tucker was number one defensively, and Harper was 14. And so it just comes down to really how much you weigh defense versus offense. I weighted it three to one for offense, but if you think right field is more offensively inclined than that, then you could put Harper over Tucker. But you're not going to convince me that the offensive gap is huge. Okay, and that's fair. Um, I think I, I don't think that the offensive gap is huge. I agree with you. I still think Harper's a better offensive player. Not not arguing that it's big, but I think Harper still profiles a little bit better offensively. But that's just just on the statistics that I look at in terms of you know how hard he's hitting the ball. Uh, the walk rate's 5% higher than Tucker. Obviously, Tucker has a better K rate, though, so there's that. But, yeah, no, I think that's fair. And that's really tough, too. Like, should we dock Harper here for not being able to play the start of next season? I don't think so, because if we were going to actually do that, then we would only consider half of his season, and then he would be, like, number 10. and that, That's kind of stupid. I don't know. So I guess I guess my argument. So I I like I, I agree with what you're saying with Tucker. I don't disagree. But I guess my argument as to why Harper over Tucker is, and I know that waiting two years ago, the same as last year, isn't necessarily uh, the smartest thing to do. However, two years ago Harper won MVP, and it's not like he had a, you know, random blimp in his career where he was an MVP for the first time and the other years of his career were just kind of, you know, average years. Like he's been an elite hitter for a very, very long time. And he's only really gotten better since he's, he's gone to Philadelphia. So Tucker, you could argue the same thing though. He's never been on an MVP level. Granted, you know, a couple of years ago, he did have that insane stretch in the second half where he probably was the best hitter in the sport. 
So I don't know. Maybe I'm kind of talking myself in circles here. I don't really know. I really don't know Harper Tucker argument. Yeah, this is also where the the whole name value thing comes in because if I'm making this list myself, there's no way in heck I'm putting Tucker over Harper. Like, you know, the two-time MVP, the, you know, guy who absolutely carried his team in the playoffs way more than Tucker carried the Astros, Harper carried the Phillies. So, you know, in my heart, I'm totally putting putting Tucker below Harper. But stats don't lie. I don't know. I don't know either. So, like we said, right now we have Judge at one. I think we kind of agreed that Betts can be number two. And we're just trying to figure out the three, four here between Harper and Tucker. You know what? Ah, that's really tough for me to say. It really is. Would this would this uh, change your stance? Harper is projected for a one forty WRC plus next year. Kyle Tucker is projected for a one forty eight. Yeah, and and I think something else that might change my opinion as well is. Technically, Tucker does have more war the last two seasons than Harper, and that includes an MVP season for Harper. So, obviously, there's something to Tucker's game that puts him at an elite, elite level as a player, and not just in the right fielder's perspective, but in the entire sport. So, you know, I think you might have convinced me that Tucker Tucker and Harper might be closer than I considered them to be, and given that, I'm good with putting Tucker at three and Harper at four. All right. Debate club champion. (laughs) Alrighty. So, given that, let's see how our list compares to that of MLB Networks. Let's go from uh, 1 to 10. Are you good if I do 1 to 10? Okay. So, number 1, they had Aaron Judge, as did we, and they also had Mookie Betts at 2. So, that was a consensus with us in MLB Networks, the shredder. Number 3 and 4 are switched with us. They do have Harper at 3 and Tucker at 4. So, you know, as, and you can see, I mean, honestly, in my opinion, it could go either way. So I'm good with that for sure. Coming in at number five, they have Acuna, as do we. So I think that's a pretty fair, fair ranking there. Number six is where they have George Springer. So that lines up to where you had Springer, one spot ahead of where I had him. And a spot above where we had him as a group, we had him at seven. So he comes at number six here. Number seven is Starling Marte, and we had Starling Marte coming in at number eight. Number eight would be Teoscar Hernandez for the Shredder, and we had Teoscar at number nine. So again, we're we're pretty close to what the Shredder thinks. Number nine, now here's pretty much the biggest difference between us and the Shredder. Uh, the Shredder has Fernando Tatis Jr. at number nine, and I have an issue with that, but we'll get into that in a bit. So Tatis on our list came in at number six, and on this Shredder list, number nine. And... They had a different guy at number 10, someone that we kind of mentioned as I just missed earlier, and that's Hunter Renfro uh, coming in at number 10 on top 10 right fielders. And I'm guessing that has to do more with he's just played a lot more than Lars Newbar, And like you said, he probably has a little bit higher of a ceiling because of the power. But I don't really think other than that there's any part of his game that's better than Newbar's. But Renfro's been doing it for a while, and he's shown that he consistently you know, hits home runs. And I also believe the shredder looks at more than just the last two years. I think they take a peek at three years ago as well. So that probably helped Renfro in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. And when, when I'm looking at Newt Bar, I have him ranked as the eighth best offensive right fielder and the fifth best defensive right fielder. And so, you know, if he had done that over a two, three year sample, he'd be in the top six ish, you know, 
but given the fact that he's really only played a season and a half, kind of holds him back to the number nine spot for me. Yeah, no, that was totally the same same thought process for me. But if he continues this, like you said, he'll be he'll be bumping himself up that list. And someone who they didn't really have high on their list uh, at MLB Network was Fernando Tatis Jr. at number nine. I saw a lot of people on Twitter uh, have an issue with this. And I'm not just talking about Padres fans. I'm talking about in general. And I kind of understand why. Um, you know, I know he had the, the issues last year. But in what world can you plausibly say that Starling Marte, Teoscar Hernandez, and George Springer, and I, and you know what, George Springer is a good player, and, and I can give you that, but Starling Marte and Teoscar Hernandez, in what world are they better players? I don't understand it. I don't understand it at all. I mean, they have to be putting in a sort of suspension penalty or injury penalty in that, you know, like just kind of artificially taking something away from his stats or his projections because he's projected to be another top 10 player in the game this year you know so I don't really know what goes into the shredder maybe they have some sort of sophisticated injury dealy bopper but clearly not because they ranked Harper at number three and he's gonna miss half the year so I don't really know what that's about putting Tatis at nine yeah it's just interesting. It's really interesting because he's not, it's not like he's been a, you know, top five in and out right fielder. Like he's pretty much been a top two right fielder or, or shortstop, but he would be a top two right fielder perennially before he had the issues last year. And I mean, he's, he's been a top 10 player in the entire sport when they do the top 100 now. So I'm not sure what the formula dings him for there. I mean, unless they have a PED penalty where they but but then again like you said the it's not like fangrass projection systems and all these projection systems out there no one has him being anything but a top 5 player in baseball so given all that i think we're going to wrap this episode up here johnny um this was a fun one for sure i think you know the top top 4 guys definitely was a fun argument to have with you and kind of see how how we can rationalize that. And obviously the Tatis saga is very, very interesting, no doubt. But at the end of the day, I feel pretty good about the list that you and I came up with together. And, you know, it's not too far off from what we had individually as well. Yeah, no, I definitely feel better about it now. The whole Tatis thing really kind of threw me for a loop. I was really unsure how to rate him. And then Acuna falling to number seven for me was weird. But yeah, I'm definitely happy with the list we came up with together. Indeed. So with that said, we have center fielders coming up next. Uh, again, weird order, but we're doing the order in which MLB Network is doing it. So they went relief pitchers, right fielders, center fielders, and that's what we will be doing as well. So thank you guys so much for tuning in this time and, and giving this one a listen. We'd love to know what your lists are. So if, if you have any opinions or differences of opinion, we'd love to hear it in our comments on our Twitter and Instagram. So please feel free to drop that. Uh, the Twitter, obviously, at, at the PTC pod, and our Instagram is painting the corners. So just check us out there and, and stay engaged with us. We'd love to, to engage back. So, yeah, thank you guys again. See ya.